HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's March 26, 2017. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And that's right, today we'll be talking about the flavors behind some of our beloved craft beers. Got some great guests in the studio joining us at Heritage Radio Network. So let's go around the room, everybody introduce themselves. Hi, I'm John LaPola. I am co-owner of Bitter and Esther's Homebrew Shop. We are New York City's homebrew shop. Uh, you can find us at bitterandesters.com. And you're like a, one of the leaders and advocates of homebrewing, and you coach a lot of people too, don't you? I do. I help people uh, make their beer. I've seen a lot of uh, amateurs become pros. It's been great. The best part about it, Jimmy, is that I rarely ever pay for a beer. All right. I go to all these breweries. I like that they part. They buy them back. Yeah, I love it. Hi, I'm Danny Oliver from Island to Island Brewery. You can find us right now at houseofjuicebar.com. That'll change to Island to Island Brewery. A dot com by the end of the week, and we are located at 642 Rogers uh, in uh, Prospect Lefferts Gardens. We're three blocks from Prospect Park. And you brought some great stuff that we're going to try. So you're yes. making all kinds of fermented beverages. Yes. Um, so basically what we do is we make juice, and then we let the juice sit out too long, and it becomes alcoholic. So based on what we put in the juice, whether it's a sea juice, it becomes beer, mead, uh, or honey um, juice, it becomes mead. Uh, we have some sorrel ale here and a sorrel cider, which is like a mashup. That is great. We're going to try some new things tonight. And uh, a, a good buddy. How are you, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm uh, Eric. I'm the head brewer of Coney Island Brewery. Uh, we're down in Coney Island, ConeyIslandBeer.com. And um, we're, we opened up a brewery about two years ago. Down so you actually in have MCU a brewery Park. now in yep. Coney Island. Yep, we have a, a facility. Yeah, but it's at MCU Baseball Park in All right. Coney Island. Underneath where the, the Mets minor league plays, right? Exactly, exactly. Cool. Cool, and uh, I'm Merlin U. Ward. I am the co-founder and head brewer of Wartega Brewing, which is Brooklyn's newest brewery specializing in herb, spice, and fruit beers. And we are in Sunset Park in Industry City, sharing the space with Industry City uh, Distillery. 
uh, in their tasting room. All right, a big shout-out. Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at beer underscore sessions. So, so John, part of the show is, is, is you're doing, you know, I mean, Merlin reached out to us. We knew that his, his brewery is about to open. You're going to open what, on Friday this yeah, week? Yeah, Friday's a launch party. And you can go to a taste, tasting room there, too? Yeah, so the tasting room is actually open now, although uh, by Friday it will be open. We open Fridays and Saturdays from 4 to 10, um, but the big launch party will be doing all the taps, uh, four different beers available, um, a great little food buffet with some food made with Ortega beer uh, by our chef Julio Martinez, um, and then also a beer cocktail with Industry City. Wow. So yeah, so um, being a homebrew shop, we've been open for about six years, I, I've had the uh, privilege of meeting all these brewers and stuff i've known merlin since uh since it started he was just a little brewer yeah. <laughs> way back and uh, i've tried everyone's beers and i feel that we we definitely are encouraging to people uh, they, everyone the first time you make a beer as a home brewer you the first thing you think is i'm going to open a brewery which i always think is kind of funny uh but some some of them do it and it's uh, always really exciting uh, danny we've known each other for about three years right and yes. we've watched uh, we've watched House of Juice grow and turn into island to island. So it's been uh, it's been super exciting. But John, for so us. you're out there, and so you, you're you're interacting with these aspiring brewers. Who, who else Who else out there have you been working with, coaching, making recipes for? Uh, there's uh, well, one guy who was supposed to be on tonight was Michael T. I can't pronounce his last name because it's Greek. Uh, from Death Avenue, he's a great guy, and they they're uh, going to open their doors soon, and we've helped them. So it's going to be a, Man- a Manhattan. Brewery. It's in Manhattan, yeah. It's going to be on Twelfth Twelfth uh, Avenue, Tenth Avenue. I don't, it's it's right by the High Line. Uh, it's called Death Avenue because it was an avenue where people used to get killed a lot back in the day. So they oh, no. they call it that. Yeah, I think I, uh, I like the uh, great guy, the, the great juice place. vibe better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we Island, try to bring Island. him back to life. Yeah. <laughs> That's Go why I couldn't Avenue make it. Is he was he's worried about his name. It's a little too. <laughs> but um, and what what about Danny, so tell us, give us an intro to Danny, you know, because if you coached her or worked together well, with I've her. known Danny and her husband, uh, Kevin, for uh, for a while now. Uh, you guys started out as homebrewers, but you were uh, you were still, you were making the juices already. I, I'm pretty sure that, was the store open or just opening as House of Juice when we met? I, I don't remember if you were open yet. When point. we met, House of Juice wasn't open it yet. Wasn't we open. were in our search for a location. Okay. So we were homeless at the time, like driving our product around to people. And that's when about the time we started coming to you. But Danny's taking classes at the store. We do a lot of beginning and advanced classes. And um, you're always coming in, asking questions. You know, we, we talk back and forth. I learn from my uh, customers as much as they learn from me. And... Uh, Danny's, but that's what you really do, John. Right? Took I mean, off, yeah. There's really not that many other homebrew shops left. But you're more than a shop. You're you're a, a classroom. You're we're a springboard, you know, a group br- yeah. brewing project. Yeah. The and joke a, is and a and a mentor, a shepherd. <laughs> the joke is that uh, you work at Bitter and Esther's for about six months, and then you get a job at a brewery. Yeah. So, Wait, and Eric, tell us about your background, because so Coney Allen, we know backstory. You know, our buddy Jeremy, Co- Jeremy Collins started that, and now you guys actually have a brewery in, in Coney Island. How did you get started? Right, uh, brewing in general? Or, um, yeah, yeah sure, well, I was Well, I started in dairy, actually. I worked in, the da- in a dairy plant for uh, Lucerne brand milk, yogurt, sour cream, uh, Greek yogurt, all that, and I was a lab manager there, and I hated it, and it was awful, um, but I was learning how to brew in the, in the, on the side. I was at my, my local homebrew shop, too, you know, every day. I think I bought all their books they had and learned everything and didn't really think I could do a job with it. It was just a hobby. And then I went on a tour of breweries and I, and I saw people working there. I was like, oh, maybe I can work there. And so I worked, I got a job at a brewery in LA and then 
Which He's brewery was that? Since. Angel City Brewery in uh, downtown Los Angeles. You know. okay. Angel City, yeah. I know of it. Yeah. There's so many breweries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only the best come from there. No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then now, and then a couple years ago, I was approached to brew to open up, help open up this brewery in Coney Island, and we started construction in December 2014. Opened up our doors officially in uh, September 2015. Um, kind of missed that first summer in Coney Island, but after our, fir- our first real summer was last year. We had a great year, and we're looking forward to re, you know kind of re bringing back the summer again. And it's so, are there benefits to, to, to having your brewery base in New York City? Oh yeah, I mean, it's you got all the culture and you got all the um, influence of the whole city, and uh, most of my beers actually work with Coney Island influence, and also you can easily get the Upstate's uh, ingredients. So that's where we get um, some of our major ingredients. Like one of the beers I brought here is with our with New York State honey, and it's uh, so it's a great kind of flux of the city of uh, influence from the city for ideas and then actually in getting some ingredients from the state and you can get uh totono's pizza whenever you exactly. want exactly no they're only open part. on thursdays through uh, right. sundays yeah, yeah i right. went on a wednesday i was very disappointed <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's also a very diverse show different parts of the city but merlin you know so your, your big grand openings this weekend uh you brought some beer for us uh let's 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 pass around and taste everybody I sure I um, yeah, if you want to give me some glasses, I have this, you can't see it because it's radio, fancy little steampunk growler thing that I have, um, and hopefully it pours well. It was a little overpressurized to start, but you never know. Oh, God. While he's pouring that, I'm going to give a big shout-out to members and new members. You can be a member of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Uh, there's a member perk coming up uh, Wednesday, April 12th. Uh, one of our business members, Threes Brewing, has a pop-up at Franklin and Kent in Brooklyn. And uh, our one of our hosts, Kathy Irway, uh, will be there uh, with her book, The Food of Taiwan. So, again, if you become a member, heritageradionetwork.org. There's always member perks and parties and all that stuff. So he's pouring it. That's my cover. Yeah. He's, uh, it's a, so it's a steampunk. It, it looks like, like a, actually like a milk jug. Kind of a milk jug thing from the dairy industry. I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, a little bit. It's um. It. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it's it's a lot of fun to pour from, and it's really easy to uh, get stuff going with it. Um, I'll pour you that one. What is um, it we're drinking? What oh. you're drinking is our dark ale, which has cardamom and cinnamon in it, um, and it's uh, it's it's actually inspired by a trip that my wife and I took to Dubai. Um, it was the first time in Dubai, and uh, we noticed that in coffee culture there, they tend to spice their coffees with cardamom and cinnamon. It's kind of the Arabic culture. And uh, loved it and wanted to try it in a beer. And so we created this dark ale, and we added the ingredients um, and with some testing in terms of um, flavor concentration. And believe it or not, this one's actually the one that's dialed back. Um, but uh, cardamom flavor came through really nicely, and uh, we've we've tested this with some of the yoga events that we've been doing at uh, our brewery, and uh, people seem to really enjoy it. So, so I know your wife Mimi as well, a, a lovely woman, really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much uh, influence are you guys fifty fifty on everything you do as far as uh, when it comes to decision making? Definitely. Um, yeah. The beer wise, you know, she I think she trusts me for the most part with the recipes. Um, she's definitely part of the quality control though, and nothing goes out the door without her blessing, uh, which is probably for the best. Um, you know, we, when I'm going to try the to start the brewery, um, as John had said, you know, I was two years into brewing, I was like, I'm going to open a brewery, uh, but it took three years of convincing Mimi to actually get it to come open. Um, and uh, through you're, those, you're kind of novel, like you're kind of using a shared equipment. Is, is um, s- kind of. So Ortega the War- has a one-barrel system and six fermenters, and half of those fermenters we've actually um, uh, kind of divvied out and shared with Lineup Brewing. So they're kind of taking in our, um, our excess space 
for the time being with what with what we can produce. Um, and then we're both in the tap room or yeah. the tasting room. And then talk about this this quirky steampunk <laughs> growler, yeah. John. You know, you, you you've got a, a homebrew shop. Yeah. How much gear is out there? Like, you know, I usually just drink out of a nice glass. There's so much gear. There's so many things that are available uh, that, you know, we're in a New York City homebrew shop, so it's kind of small. So we try to sell what we can. These things are not cheap. No, they're not. Uh, I know that I would probably have to sell it for about 125 bucks. Oh, that's the small yeah. one. This one yeah. is the, the oh, larger small version. one. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Um, so I, we don't sell it because it's a bit high end. I happened upon this when it was still in this Kickstarter phase. Uh, it's the, the Kegworks Growler, and they have a, a 64 and 128. Um, so a full gallon and half gallon. Um, so I got it for very, very cheap on the dollar. Um, and now I think they're retailing for much more. Uh, but it's fun and it's great to bring for parties because it keeps things carved. Yeah, for, and, yeah as a brewer, it's, it's great to have, right? It's making definitely, yeah. I like the little things that I can carry to small like events and venues like this. And we did an event a while back together, Jimmy. Uh, we did the food pairing and I brought my little halfers, my little two gallon kegs. And those were great and perfect for the size of the event, you know. Um, so anything that's small and portable. It's New York. You have to be able to carry it. Well, cheers, man. I'm, I'm cheers. very proud of you. I know you went this from Goldberg to yeah, thank Grand you. Opening. And Danny, now, I got to meet you. So, you know, Island to Island, tell us how you went from, from Juice Bar to to a licensed brewery in New York City. Uh, yeah. So I started out, I was uh, 200 pounds, and I decided that it didn't work for me. And so I started to educate myself on what was going on in the food industry and started to make changes, and my body reacted very positively. And then everyone else started asking me questions. And while I was postpartum, I was mixing cocktails with juices the way I did at the bar uh, as an alcoholic. <laughs> and um, Oh, you people, were 200 pounds because you had a baby. I was 200 pounds before I got before. pregnant. And then I got pregnant, and I started to realize that I was making myself sick from the food. So I made changes so the baby wouldn't be sick. And then I was making all these juices, so making what, all what these What were some changes that you made? Did you cut out things? I cut out anything that, I, that didn't grow. If it didn't grow somewhere, if I couldn't pick it, I cut it out. That was the simplest way that I could approach it. If it grew somewhere, if it was in the farmer's market, then we purchased it. If it was in a package or a box, had names on it that we couldn't pronounce, then we weren't, um, we weren't going to buy it anymore. And so we made the juices, and we spoke to people and educated people, did workshops. And then we started going to the homebrew shop um, because we wanted to learn about how to make beers without having all these extra you know, artificial ingredients in it. And the reason why is because in Trinidad, where my family is from, uh, half of my family is from, we make juice, but then we always put yeast in it, and we, everybody makes their own wines. Um, here in America, we call it ciders. In Trinidad, they call it wines. And so it was just a natural progression for us to make juice and then let it sit out. So we started going to bitter nesters to figure out, you know, how can we use natural ingredients? How do we, you know, figure out how to keep everything um, uh, sanitized? And, you know, just what is the process? Yeah, bitter nesters big on cleaning. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm not a brewer. Yeah, don't, don't fear the foam. First <laughs> is the cleaning class. Don't yeah. fear the foam is what we always uh, keep uh, reciting. Um, but I didn't have the intention of opening a brewery. That was not my intention at all. Uh, John is the one who kind of pushed me in that direction. Not directly. <laughs> I was going to say, don't blame me. But <laughs> he kept encouraging me. And I'm just like, this tastes like crap. I'm doing the wrong thing. And he just kept making me feel like I wasn't crazy. So then it was like, okay, now I've got to pay for all this stuff. How long did it take you from the time you first took his class and, and you were making fermented products until you really felt like you had a, a good product that, that you were proud of? Ooh, I think I, it didn't take long. Because we started out with kombucha and jun, so it didn't take very long for us to have a really good product, um, and, but it took longer to get to the point of being a brewery because of paperwork. 
Johnny, what, what's advice that you give to someone like Danny when she first comes in? Well, tell us that story of how she first came uh, in and what you what a you lot. A lot together. of it is uh, bring, bringing in your beer. Uh, so Danny would bring in a beer and say, "Okay, let's talk about this." Uh, and luckily, she came in during the week a lot because it's difficult to do on the weekends. Uh, but people do do that. So if you bring in a beer, we want to talk you through it. And uh, we have uh, Cicerone on staff, and I have a really good palate, and Doug has a really good palate, and we're able to kind of go through it and say, well, this is probably where you went wrong. You might want to. Uh, a lot of times it's fermentation temperature. A lot of times it's pitch rate of the yeast, health of the yeast, things that, that we're, we taste a lot in beers from homebrewers. So then Danny would go back and brew it again, <laughs> come back and, and be like, yeah, this is, you see this is going in this direction. Some of it's ingredient-based. We've talked about the different ingredients that were going there. But a lot of it is trial and error is what it comes down to. But that's kind of what we're there for. What, one of the say, things I always say is, we want you to make good beer because we want you to bring us beer. We don't want to drink crappy beer. Uh, so make make good beer and bring it. And that's, so you're just that's trying good. to make everyone make better beer? That's exactly it. And the beers of, of, of homebrewers have gotten better and better. And then, uh, even the New York City beer scene has gotten so great. The beer so is so true. good. Well, we're off to a great start. Everybody's talking. And we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. New members and old members, there's a special event Wednesday, April 12th at our business partner, Three's Brewing at Franklin and Ken Pop-Up with uh, host Kathy Irway, who's got a great book out, The Food of Taiwan. So check it out, become a member, heritageradionetwork.org. So um, we got a lot of people in the studio, and uh, Merlin from Ortega, we're tasting his, 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 his grand openings coming up, his dark ale. So, um... You know, Eric from Coney Island, what are your thoughts or notes on this beer? Because it's, it's interesting. It's dark ale. It's not hoppy. It's got some spices in there. Right. It's, de- oh, it's definitely a unique dark beer, and I really love the cardamom in it. It's a lot different. Um, I Because I love using trying to use new ingredients, too. And that's kind of what the purpose of our brewery is down there is to try yeah. and use new and different things. And we were like, oh, you know, you don't think cardamom or curry or anything like that would be a good beer additive. And then when you try it, you're like, oh, man, this actually kind of worked. And then you keep working on it. And, it, it, yeah, this comes out really nice. Thank you. It all hits. All the levels are, are really nice and, per- like, balanced. What do you think, John? Um, this is a mild, right? Um, <clears throat> so it's interesting. In Ortega, we try to stay away from the actual style critiques. I meant um, as far as alcohol content. And, and, okay. And my alcohol content, yes. It's like five. Oh, it's that high. Five, five oh, okay. and a half. Yeah. 
It has it, it, it's really drinkable. Nice. I love the way the spices. Uh, but he's right. I mean, as as a dark ale, a so dark. what what style? It's like it's almost like an English mild ale. Yeah. The the base would be, I guess, English porter if you really wanted to put a style on it. Um, so it's a lower alcohol, um, nice roastiness to it. Um, color is dark. Um, the nice English the English thing can be actually very light. So this is probably on the dark end of that. But. Um, yeah, you know, with Ortega though, we try to try to stay away from styles just because uh, there's a lot of connotation, and, and particularly with like IPA. So we don't make IPAs, we don't make pale ales, we make hoppy ales, and um, hoppy has a very wide range. It can be bitter, it can be fruity, it can be, um, you know, both. So uh, it, it it kind of breaks down the walls a little bit and allows the drinkers who maybe are afraid of certain styles to kind of lean in a little bit more and, and try something and maybe discover something they do like with different name. Eric, yeah. what's your approach? Because I know you made something fun called a, a grin and tonic. You've been making beers with botanicals. Right, yeah. So we made it. Uh, we actually, it was part of a competition um, that we have every year for a home a home brewer or someone trying to get, you know, learn more about beer. They send out their beer ideas and we pick one every year and we brew it with them on our big system and they get to kind of, and it gets distributed throughout Manhattan and it's kind of a fun experience for everybody. And the winner last year was a grin and tonic. And so I loved it because I used to make a hot toddy ale. Well, I still do. It came out this year again. But I was like, well, yeah, let's keep the let's keep the cocktail inspired beers going. And so then the biggest thing was like, well, how am I going to make it sound? How am I going to make it tonic? And so we actually got enough cinchona bark that are allowed by the TTB to put it in there. And so it kind of that's what, how you make quinine for for tonic water. And that was um, kind of like the little oomph that kind of put it over the edge. Tons of juniper, you know, tons. Of, I mean, actually, uh, we substituted in lemongrass it's not a traditionally in a gin and tonic but we thought that would really kind of accentuate the juniper and kind of give a nice balance to the whole thing we used belgian ale yeast and it really just kind of came out really nice high abv it was nine percent beer and it was wow. so it was the poor purpose of those kind of beers the are to kind of emulate a real cocktail and so the like the hot toddy ale was a 12 and a half percent ale and that, um, so, yeah, we're trying to emulate the whole thing. So what, what about fruits? You know, the title of the show is supposed to be Fruits, Spices, and Herbs. Is that – you're doing that exclusively? That is exclusively what we do, yeah. So every beer we have um, either has a fruit, spice, or herb or combination thereof in it. Um, nothing is a straight style. Um, we do have some plans down the road to maybe do some straight styles, but to um, do some kind of infusion with them in, in another way um, to create more of a, a kind of a, a creative beer experience on the on the ordering end. So rather than us create it for you, you get to kind of mix and match on your own. Yeah. So Danny, what about you? So you know the theme of the show: fruits, spices, and herbs. Uh, does that tie into what you're doing? Or? Yes, that we use all of that in our brews. Um, the fruits uh, come from the juices, the juice recipes that we have. The herbs uh, mostly come from what we use in the Caribbean. So we're using sorrel, we're using uh, cardamom, we're using uh, star anise, cinnamon, nutmeg. We're using all of that. And the herbs, I mean, the the jan and the kombucha is made with let's, tea. P- let's pick one of your, your brews and let's taste that next. And sure. We can talk more about it. Sure. And John, what's your influence in all this? I mean... In, in your homebrew class, are you, are you talking about spices and herbs? Well, that's and the first thing people always ask. They they want to know, you know, how can I put lavender into my beer or something? <laughs> and uh, I, my my first thing is always learn how to make beer first and then learn how to mess with it. But the cool thing is that you're seeing this uh, these different flavor combinations coming into the craft brews because the craft brewers were home brewers and home brewers have this freedom to do whatever they want. And so they can screw up They make five gallons. They throw in crickets or something and it doesn't taste good. Then it doesn't taste good. But when they hit something that does work, 
then they can go on a production scale and they know that people are going to like it because in the do, long run do you know it's the, the homebrewers garden book there's two brothers from Maine no it's a question it. for Twitter for our listeners if anyone knows that there's two brothers if you know the names of the authors of this book the homebrewers garden it came out a few years ago two brothers in Maine you'll win a free I like beer beer sessions radio t-shirt cool yeah, check it out. But you guys never heard of that book, the the Homebrewers Garden? Oh, I heard I heard about it when it was published. I never really. Yeah, got I mean that was the same thing we were talking about. You know, in the old days, you know, maybe the the lords controlled the hops that you know homebrewers and, and and gardeners and and people at home were using bittering agents like dandelions, for example, sure. and ginger. Right. I mean, is that is that the direction we're talking about as well? That you're not going to use hops as much, and you're going to use. These other ingredients? So, yeah, well, we were just talking about the TTB and their limitations. So in order for something to be a beer, it has to have hops in it, unfortunately. So I can't get away from hops too much. Um, but our... our uh, Is that the truth? You have to have beer? I mean, hops to be a beer? Right. And there, and there's also a list that the TTB has of pre-approved ingredients. Mm-hmm. And if you go outside the list, it has to go through another level of approval. Yeah. So it took, for the Grin and Tonic, for example, it took four months for, uh, from idea to just being allowed to make it. For us to actually make what it. are some of the ingredients that you can use oh common fruits uh spices uh lemongrass is on there but the cinchona bark something unique or sometimes if you're using a certain juice concentrate instead of the whole juice like elderberries you have to ask for approval on that you can use whole elderberries but you can't use their juice it's a whole yeah it's still they're trying but it's still kind of uh, a hard thing to there's also an approved through. and limited list like you can use licorice but only to a certain like parts per million um, it's a pretty large parts per million, but it's it's a really long. There's probably 150 things the the TTB allows. What about crickets? Can you use crickets? Not yet. No, Not yet. Yes. All right, we're gonna work on that. What about oyster shells? You can use oysters. Yes. Uh, we made a clam stout, and you can't use clams. So that's wow. another, that was another form. Danny, let's let's yeah. pour your beer. Come on, you gotta pick one, and we're gonna taste it. Um, that's very interesting about approved ingredients because um, if people use lobster shells and yep. yeah, the homebrewers, uh, you know, as, as John was saying, that's actually where I got a lot of my inspiration, where I still do. I'm, you know, as a co-founder of the Bruminaries, which is the homebrew group, largest, most diverse, fastest growing in New York City. Um, there's a lot of brewers in that club that are really stretching the limits in terms of ingredients. Um, just a few off the top of my head. One makes a really great kind of sarsaparilla-type beer. Um, another does a, a really great um, in Indian, like, Indian-flavored um, beers using saffron and lemongrass and things. So it's it's great to have uh, it's great to have a community like that that is really pushing the limits, um, and of course the online community of brewers, um, just seeing what people's creativity is bringing through. Wow! So Danny, so Islands, tell us again what what your brewery is called. Island to Island. Yes, Island to Island Brewery. In what neighborhood in Brooklyn? We're in Prospect Lefferts Gardens. That's great. And uh, it's pretty interesting. What is this? So this is sorrel. It's traditional uh, Trinidadian sorrel. And we make it as a Christmas drink back home. And then... Uh, you call the drink sorrel? Yes, it's called sorrel. But is that the sorrel, the herb in it? It's No, it's sorrel, the flower. In America, they call it hibiscus. Hibiscus. So it's hibiscus. It's an actual fruit. It's got a little red, red color. It looks yeah. like hibiscus. It looks like a flower, but it's actual fruit. It has a seed. It has prickles on it. Um, and... This has cardamom, it has nutmeg, cinnamon, ginger. Do you, do you make it from a, a dried hibiscus? Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. We have we, we've had teas one. like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of uh, hibiscus products on the market now. 
So we think people will accept it readily because it's not foreign to them. So, so what do you do to ferment this? Um, how strong is it, too? Right now it's at 6.7. Wow, really? Yeah. It's really tasty. <laughs> it's really well. I could it tastes like sweet hibiscus. <laughs> it's like sweet hibiscus tea with a kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, so uh, a lot of West Indians don't like bitter beers. They like sweet beers, so they make something some more, called please? Shandy. And Shandy is a bitter beer that they add either a soft drink or juice to. And so we wanted to create a uh, flavor that... Um, people would would recognize and could call their own cheers so this is i i brewed the juice and then i let it sit way 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 too long till it went down to about like um 0.99 nice (laughs) and then i made more and added it to it so it had that sweet flavor would you pasteurize after that no oh wow so it could steep keep going yeah (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> Drink it quick. Yeah, really. Yeah, it, it tastes very different on Saturday. John, what, what's your take on this this style of fermentation? I know you guys were, you were part of the fermentation festival. Yeah, well, let's New York City I mean, Beer Week. I mean, and Mary Isette has that the the. The, was it Speed Brew Book? Speed Brew Book, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a brewing beer is just one form of fermentation. Fermentation is just the. the uh, chemical change from any sort of living organism pretty much uh and, and in our case it's a, they, they create alcohol so um it's all amazing and i think this is delicious danny i think this is uh fantastic uh the fermentation festival was so cool because it brought all those different aspects of uh fermenting into one room uh and we had a ton of home brewers we had 50 home brewers pouring plus we had some commercial brew but we had you know pickles and kombucha and kimchi uh, you guys are there uh, house of juice was there pouring and uh we got that you were at the fermentation festival and the, and the night afterwards right yeah we went to the fermentation afterwards? festival to launch brooklyn jun brew right. and then we went to the second part and hung out with the brewers and hung out with the brewers so yeah so it's opened my eyes up to how just how many things are fermented and and what a great thing it is as far as uh, keeping traditionally keeping things w- good through the winter so you would survive, but also it's really good for you. I mean, too much of it probably isn't so good for you, uh, but I'm still alive. So this is so, basically it's a hibiscus kind of fermented tea almost. Is, is, is it like a, made like a kombucha? It's not made like a kombucha. It's made just how beer is made. Um, it would be considered a teasan because it's not traditional tea. Uh, and it's we just add yeast. We what boil yeast? it and then add yeast. Which yeast did you use? Uh, this one was champagne yeast. Oh, okay. Huh? And then let's try another one. What? So give us a totally different uh, uh, so this one. product. Oops. And why are you doing that? Um, so Eric, you know, for you, you know, you're you're a brewer. You started in dairy. I mean, what what are some off the wall things you've done yourself? Oh, I mean, it's um, it started since dairy when we tried to use Greek yogurt to sour beer, and actually, that that's now become a, a easy way for some breweries to actually sour some beers. That they'll just you just chuck in a bunch of Greek yogurt because it has the same bacteria that would sour, quick kettle sour a beer, and because it's a if it's a natural Greek yogurt, it has, it has to be un, uh, un, no preservatives in order for it to work. Um, but we've made some. We've I've mentioned that a little bit. We made clam stouts. We made cotton candy kolsch. Um, we've made the hot toddy, which was I chopped up a whiskey barrel and threw that in the fermenter after I toasted it. Um, grin and tonic. Um, and we're working on a. I just gets a little chewy it. after a while, right? You get a right. whole barrel exactly. in there. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was very woody, wood in my woody, but it, we actually served. And then I actually drilled a hole through the cooler, which uh, my John, in your class, would you allow that? Would you let him just throw wood into your fermenter? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We have you know wood aged yeah. beers are fantastic, especially uh, I like darker beers like that. Mm. I mean, do you put wood 
during fermentation or post? We, we let it go during fermentation. You do, okay. yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, so we it's beechwood aged. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you got to collect the yeast. You know, that's how right. You, <laughs> um, it's, I'll let them yeah. do whatever they want. Yeah. I'll, I talk people out of stuff that might be really stupid. I've, there's a couple of times. Oh yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't don't throw that in there. But so, Danny, what, what's otherwise. this next one? It's like a little ginger. Or something? So we just mentioned um, sours. Mm-hmm. So this is a calypso sour mead. It's our Jun base. We've added more honey, more yeast. Uh, didn't give it oxygen and um, hopped it with calypso. We thought it was fitting being West Indian. What's calypso? Calypso is a hops, oh, and yeah. calypso is also our, our traditional music. <laughs> what is jun? Jun is uh, like kombucha. It's green tea and honey fermented. Uh, it's much lighter in flavor. It's more aggressive at eating alcohol. So at the end of the night, if you've drank way too much and don't want a headache, you drink jun. Oh, wow. Get it all down. What's the alcohol in this one? Well, right now, this one is 1.5, but usually it's 0.3. Oh, okay. So this one's safe, because I, I, you gave me a bottle of this once before, and I, I drank it um, for breakfast, and I was worried that it was a 6%er. <laughs> <laughs> no. So why? You know, right? I should have sobered you up. <laughs> What's cool about this is we're getting close. I always want to ask this, this myth question of like how people first discovered alcohol, and I feel like we're getting to it with this Caribbean... Caribbean sideline. So um, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. It's a ruckus day on Heritage Radio Network. We're tasting different types of spice and herb and, and fruit beers and fermented beverages. And John LaPolia, yeah. you know, you're kind of like the ringleader now. You've got people <laughs> opening breweries, trying to open breweries, and coaching different people in I the room. It. So let's talk about Merlin. So, um, you know, we got, what, Ortega out in Industry City. Um, you guys sure know each other for a number of years. Yeah. What, what do you think of the beers he's making? Because he made we had, he had the dark ale with cardamom. I thought that was fantastic. I love it. I've had Merlin's beers. We do a, a, a monthly bottle swap at Bitter and Esters where homebrewers bring their beer in and we try it. So I've tried Merlin's beers uh, many a times. Many a times. Uh, always uh, always look forward to it, uh, and I'm really happy that he opened a, a brewery. I think. So what, how, how would you? Ca- no, I know he's an award winning homebrewer, but you know how would you characterize the beers he's making? Uh, Unique and adventurous, uh, certainly, uh, and that, that's a good thing. I mean, I, I, I like uh, triple IPAs as much as the next guy, but uh, I, I definitely want my palate to try other things. So, so I, I'm impressed that you didn't go the route of I have to, you know. Well, make you know, other half is just up the street. It felt right. really strange <laughs> to compete with the neighbors. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we wanted to do something different. Um, I, I felt like, at least in the history that I've have read so far of New York City breweries, um, and there were many. Uh, we are one of the first that ever really focused solely, declaratively f- focused solely on herbs, spice, and fruit beer. I mean, Coney Island is experimental in their creations as well, and there's certainly other breweries who have experimented. You know, Finback um, had a really great IPA. They put coffee in, which I think is a great idea. Um, but we are like solely focused on that and really taking inspiration from the ancient ale ingredients, much like um, the the Junes and things that Daniel's producing, um, and then putting a little culinary spin on it because a lot of those ancient grain ales and ancient ales. Are, 
probably didn't taste very good. Um, they were using. They kept them. you alive. Though. Yeah, they, they kept you alive, and they're great for ceremonies and religious practices, but uh, weren't that tasty. So we want to keep them tasty. So on that note, like the the you know the myth of the origin of the first alcoholic beverage. How how, how do you think the, the first person ever tasted? You know, a fermented beverage. So it's it's funny. I've I've done a lot of research on this par- in particular. Um, the origin story of almost every culture's fermented beverage starts with either a woman or a child, um, and that woman or child dies. They bury them, and from that burial comes a plant, and then that plant fruits, and no one touches it because it's a sacred plant. But then the animals eat it, and then the animals start to act funny, and the people start to see that, and so that they jump in on it, and and they decide to also uh, uh, imbibe in the fruit of this sacred plant, and um, and then the gift of fermentation is given. And almost every single origin story for every single culture across the entire world it follows some kind of timeline like that, where there was a woman or a child or a pregnancy um, and a burial, and then the sacred plant that comes out. Um, for you know South Americans, it was corn. Um, for uh, for you know the African continent is like sorghum and corn. So and, and rice in Asia. So a lot of different places you can get your sugars to make fermented beverages. And I think uh, if if we were really to like boil it down, humans watched animals eat fermented foods and and kind of just commercialized it in some sense. I think it could always happen though. Like I, I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day, and it was like this has to happen. Mm-hmm. There's there's yeast that are just going to ferment things. So eventually somebody was going to eat something fermented. At least say, on accident. And say, boy, you look better today. I don't know why. That's actually, yeah, that's actually the first time I've heard that one. We, our, our tour on the brewery always starts with, with the gatherer accidentally leaving his cup outside full of half full of grain and it would rain. And then, then that's what would happen. And certainly could be too. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, um, you know, so that's actually, a, that's actually a lot you know more interesting as watching the animals just go nuts and <laughs> I've seen the birds do it. Yeah. The birds eat the sure. uh, the berries that, that get fermented, and they, they start fighting and stuff. It's fun. Wow, that's interesting, because my story begins with a woman who got pregnant <laughs> and <laughs> needed something to help her get through. Um, uh, my father tells me all the time that his grandmother used to make sorrel and then stick it in the ground. And then when they pulled it out the ground, it was alcohol. So I don't know if that started sometime they used the ground as refrigeration and then natural yeast from yeah. the herbs and spices they put in it fermented it. That's interesting. Mine was always that silly story of like, oh, there's like the tree with the honey and it rains and it ferments and the bear comes and gets tipsy and yeah. people <laughs> want that. I don't know. Just That's, what we need, drunk bears. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're better. You know, happy bears are happy drunk bears. Happy bears are better, yeah. Well, this is cool. So my, um, I want to keep calling you Mike, but it's, it's Eric. No problem. No problem. But, but Eric, so uh, t- tell us about So you're, you are using some spices and, yeah. and your beer, Coney Island. Tell mm-hmm. us about this. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're using, trying to use all, you know, mostly we're trying to use more spices and, instead of fruits also a little bit in our beers. And this was one that was kind of unique. It's a siren, it's called Siren's Cry Pilsner. It's made with fig, honey, and thyme in it. So it's kind of like an old ancient style of that kind of food. And we made it with our Pilsner yeast, and we, you know, the figs kind of made it a little darker than the Pilsner should be, but it comes out, uh, we dry-timed it instead of dry-hopped it, and it comes out really kind of balanced, and the first time was very timey. I thought I was uh, drinking a little bit of uh, spaghetti sauce at the time. Yeah, that's my, that's my experience with <laughs> yeah, time, too. Yeah. Um, some of the food we're having for our, our launch party is a mm-hmm. time beer gone wrong, uh-huh. um, way too much, but you know what? It makes a really great pulled pork. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's yeah. one of the problems, I, and I'm sure you guys probably noticed it that spices can be i don't taste it i don't taste it i don't taste it oh my god it's too much definitely Mm -hmm. and i'm asked that question a lot is how much should i use of this and i'm like well less is usually more uh when it comes to to, to spicing your beers 
Especially right. if you put them in the boil. So mine were in the boil. Yeah. The dry timing sounds like a much better idea. It, it really muted. Oh, sorry. It really muted it. Uh, not muted it, but kind of leveled it out. The, yeah, we, yeah. We, uh, the boil, if you, yeah, using spices in the boil, we used juniper in the boil for the green and tonic. And it was, you could, it was like you, when you would, it was boiling, you would smell. Yeah. The, it smelled like gin. A in the, in the face. Like we were doing a gin house. <laughs> yeah. I think we're writing the book right now on how much herbs to use in beers. And hopefully we can all get together and do that. Yeah, what, what are some other herbs that you use, Danny? Um, we've used lavender. Uh, uh, I can't think of. Oh, we've used um, horseradish. I did a beer called naranja. Uh, it was nesh. I used naranja. I used elderberry. I used um, strawberry and horseradish for that. It was a cider, actually, not a Sounds beer. Awesome. And that came out really, really good. And I'm also using a lot of peppers. So I have a uh, pluque right now that's brewing. It's tamarind and scotch bonnet, which is something that we use a lot in our um, foods, especially our Trinidad and corn stew. It's got scotch bonnet in it. Please don't eat the scotch bonnet. If <laughs> 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 we put it in your bowl, someone did that. Um, but yeah, so we used a lot of uh, peppers as well. So Merlin, just give a list of other beers you're making, different ingredients. And talk about fruit, too, because fig... Fig sounds interesting. Yeah, well, one of our one of our best sellers is the Floridian, which is a hoppy ale that we make. Um, very fruity, but we throw a, a good chunk of orange zest and tangerine zest into that one. Um, so we use a lot of the zest. Um, I made our for so for um, the New York City Craft Beer Week, we did a, a New York City malt and hop beer, and we used uh, New York honey, the New York City malts and hops, and then also threw in mint. And uh, lemon peel, but I also just jammed in all the like because once you Danny peel the likes. lemons, you don't know what to do with them, right? I, I don't drink lemonade, so I literally just cut them in half and squeezed them into the beer <laughs> um, and let them go. So it dropped the acidity a little bit. It came out a little bit tart. It was an amazing addition. I'm really glad that I did that. Amazing beer, Prima Four. <laughs> mm. <laughs> where did you? When did you put the lemons in? The lemon peel and and uh, we all went in the boil for like the last like five minutes or so, um, and then I literally just squeezed the lemons into it while it was going through the whirlpool. Um, so you know, cook the lemon juice a little bit. So this is kind of like the, the new frontier now, right? Isn't yeah. it, John? It's like, oh yeah. You call that? Is this called mixed fermentation or? No, this is no. Uh, mixed ingredients. I would say there are mixed fermentations uh, where you use uh, different uh, bacteria along with the yeast, and you're seeing a lot of that as well. But uh, the ingredients, the interesting ingredients. Uh, you know, it, again, it's all experimentation. I um, so my store. What we really teach is the foundation. Like, if you're going to be an abstract painter, you need to know how to be a classical painter first. So people kind of want to jump into the abstract beers, but if they don't know what they're doing to begin with, uh, it's not going to be good. So everyone in this room are excellent brewers already, and uh, they know where they're going, or they know that they're going to screw up. I'm sure you've all made mistakes in making your beer but you don't let no, anyone never, taste never, it never. never that's never happened with you <laughs> yeah me either you so know, so what do you just first beer was perfect so Merlin, you said you, you made a beer with too much time and now you're just going to cook with it yeah that's all we ended up doing with it was cooking that's, with it um, doing, right? it was a it was a really great idea and concept i just overdid it on some of the spices which can happen you know especially when we we scaled that recipe up from a five gallon recipe which was one of my uh, other recipes that i had um but the, the volume and the and the kind of surface area of the liquid all changes a little bit and so when you add the you know the scaled amount of herb to it it, it certainly didn't uh, behave the same way and so it ended up becoming too much time okay so you guys all have like a tasting room so let, let's start with eric so i go to Coney Island. I'm in the under the baseball stadium. You know, what's the tasting room like? 
You know, how many beers are on tap? What's my experience going to be? It's a little cramped. We're only 1,500 square feet. With That's the brewery also. Um, we're a 10 barrel, and we squeeze a 10 barrel brewery in there. Um, so it's a little cramped, but we have a big patio. And so we kind of, that's why we are in Coney Island. We have that big patio for the summer and kind of have a nice uh, ambience for the sun, before and after baseball games. And now the Cosmos are coming. They're going to be playing soccer there at the stadium. But Pele's back. Yeah, Pele. From they, the 70s. They brought him out for the uh, uh, for the grand reopening. Does anyone yeah. remember Pele? I, oh, yeah. I do, of oh, course. Yeah. <laughs> John was living it. Yeah. <laughs> we were back there. So that's it. You got a taste from how, so many, how many beers eight, on tap? We have eight taps rotating. Um, nice. We rotate. We try to rotate at least two new a month. And so we have our cores, our Mermaid Pilsner and Overpass IPA. Those are always on. But anything, you can come two weeks. In, two weeks uh, you can come in. Two weeks later, it'll be different taps on. And we're going to be, we're building a, we're expanding our cooler. We're trying to get more beer into Manhattan that, through this brewery and kind of really just kind of let, let people kind of show the experimentation that can happen in Coney Island, too. Great. And Danny, I go out to island to island. What's my experience? Uh, so I'm thirsty. <laughs> so I traveled. We've got a, to Brooklyn. <laughs> a brewery storefront that doesn't look like it's much of anything because it's pretty much a desolate block. It's just like us and then a bunch of hair salons and barbershops. We're in the middle of them. Um, but the sign, it says juicery and brewery? Yes, it says juicery and brewery. Uh, it says island to island now. It used to say house of juice, so that confused a lot of people. So we did a hard stop to that and took off the juice part. Um, you come in, it's a bar. It looks and feels like a traditional bar. The spirits that are up there are all made in Brooklyn, quite a few of them by women. Um, we've just got our new tap system, so we've got uh, eight taps that are going. Right now we have six that are going. We've got a cool little seating area, games, Kids are always welcomed, always, and we've got a courtyard as well out do, back. Do you have your fermented products on tap? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, so we have our John and kombucha <laughs> in a nice little kegerator over in the corner. We've got the scobies up on top. Um, in my space, it's more of like an education spot. So a lot of people come in with tons and tons of questions. So we're answering questions all day long. We're doing impromptu workshops. People want to know what this is good for, what's that good for, how does juice and beer make sense, and we call it a seed-to-spirit experience. So one of the things that we do is um, we give you the seeds and the juice and the beer, so seed-to-spirit. Wow. And and then you're not supposed to with alcohol, but do some of your, your drinks have health properties yes they do because we use real fruits and vegetables in our drinks so it does have the corresponding health benefits to it and then go you know going back to the days of guinness there was always the ads about you know guinness it's good for you <laughs> for mother's milk and stuff i mean you know I, I don't think the ttb let's just say that but i i'm a fan of i think that fermented beverages do have health given properties i mean that's another show john hell yeah i'm i'm uh, uh-huh. completely pickled <laughs> From the inside out, yeah, and then and Merlin for you. So last thing, so the, the, your grand opening this weekend, going to the tasting room. Yep. So the tasting room of out in gi- Industry City, out in Industry City. It's a ginormous tasting room. We share it with Industry City Distillery and Lineup Brewing. Um, there are four taps. Two of them are ours. We'll have a seasonal. Uh, so every four or three months, it'll change. We have our experimental, which will also be on tap. Um, and then we have the we we'll take a family program. So um, that is where you actually join the family. It's about thirty dollars a month. You get two large bottles 50 ounces of beer every month they're uniquely just in bottle they're never distributed by tap um and they'll never be on tap at the brewery either they're only in bottle and those are like the best recipes that we've kept that we want to share with the people who really are enthused about the types of beers that we're making great and john anything new co- going on at uh, bitter and esters uh let's see we have a mead class coming up uh with Raphael from enlightenment wine he's coming up uh, this thursday we have our our swap is next wednesday we have stan whose last name i can never pronounce hermonia 
Hieronymus, uh, who wrote uh, the book on Hier- hops. Hieronymus. Hier- Hieronymus. He's coming into the store big deal. on my birthday, August 18th. Uh, so he's going to be talking about his new book. Uh, John Palmer, uh, who wrote How to Brew, should be coming by. Uh, you have probably. him a lot, don't you? Uh, we've had him twice. Uh, he's a friend of the store, and so he should be coming by. Uh, you know, we're always doing something. We're happy to have people come by and just hang You've out. You've had Charlie Papazian in. Yeah, Charlie Papazian a couple of times, So you too. really cheers yeah. to you, John. Really, the Bitter and Esters is like really the heart and soul of oh, home brewing and, and brewing education. All right. And, and, and good luck to you, man. And, uh, Thank you. Big shout-outs to other authors. If, if, you know, from Philly, you probably know Lou Bryson. As a beer writer, he was also, for 20 years, the whiskey ab- or long-time whiskey advocate editor. He'll actually be at Jimmy's number 43 next Tuesday, April 4th. He'll also be on the show, so we're going to have a show about bourbon and beer on next April 4th. Can I come in. back just in the audience? you got to come in. <laughs> actually, you're invited, Merlin. Awesome, thank and you. And then also, uh, our events that, that's out there, Brisket King of NYC is April 19th. Check it out, briskettkingnyc.com. Um, that's a great event, and we'll have some very special chefs and judges there. So um, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks again to Eric, Merlin, uh, Danny, and John for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, our intern, Hillary Fazen, and our engineer, David Tattisher. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Cheers. Woo. Thank you, Jim. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.